0: Father God, we give thanks this morning. And then, God, I give this sermon to you. Um, ask that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill this place as we sang and that you would fill me and fill these words and speak and teach. Um, this church community called Maple Grove Covenant Church, both here but also people that perhaps listen online as well. And God, our desire is to worship you. Um, thank you for these worship gatherings where we can come together, and we come from diverse backgrounds and different places, and, and uh, different places not not only geographically, but also spiritually. And God, we take comfort that you'll meet us where we're at. And thank you for your grace as we come through the doors here to know um, you're not looking for perfection. Uh, you're, you just want a people that are, are willing to open up their lives to you. so. Um, speak to us, teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. I'd like to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 4. We're going to take a look at uh, verses 1 through 13. This is uh, our primary text during this Lenten season. This is the second se- Sunday of Lent. And for centuries of time, this story in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, was kind of the primary story that led Christians, early Christians, during the Lenten season. And as I mentioned last week, I grew up Baptist, so I had no understanding or uh, concept or experience of Lent except for a Catholic friend of mine uh, who would give up meat or chocolate. And I think for a lot of us, that's sort of our impression. But as we looked at last week, um, Lent um, affords for us and invites us into a deep significance and practicality. And I heard from a a handful of you, different steps you've taken to give up certain things during Lent and replace it with something else. And as we go through Luke chapter 4, perhaps God is going to speak to you on that as well. As during this Lenten season, as we make our way to uh, the cross and the empty tomb, is that perhaps God is speaking to you to maybe give up something and replace that with something else. And historically, the color purple is a significant color for Lent, not only uh, signifying the, the royalty of Jesus Christ, but also the suffering. Okay, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, you may want to circle that, that phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit, you may want to circle that phrase too, to go into the wilderness. Another word, synonym for wilderness is desert. As we mentioned last week, wilderness or desert was kind of a shorthand way of saying pretty much hell on earth. It was a very ominous uh, place you really didn't want to hang out. Well, the devil tempted him for 40 days. Now, it's important for us, and I'm going to talk about this next week as we talk about hostile forces that we face, is that it's not just three temptations. It says right here, the devil tempted him for 40 days. We have three of them here, but there's, there were more temptations that occurred during those 40 days. He ate nothing all that time, was very hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, change this stone into a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people need more than bread for their life. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Then the devil told him, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus replied, The Scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God. Serve only him. The devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. The Scriptures say he orders his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, Do not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. So there's like this sort of scriptural kung fu between Jesus and the devil. As I mentioned, I'll talk more about that next week. But I want to I want to camp on that phrase in verse one is that Jesus Christ is full of the Holy Spirit. He's led by the Spirit into the desert. So there's a couple of questions I, I want to answer this morning. First of all, who is the Holy Spirit? And this, this sermon is sort of going to be like a primer. It's going to be like the basics of the Holy Spirit. And, and in the middle of my message, I'm going to kind of walk through a, a number of passages. And you may want to write them down. Just kind of a, remind yourself again, or if you're new to the Christian faith, who the Holy Spirit is. But I also want to ask the question, what does it mean to be filled? What does it mean to be filled? Because... Uh, It says here, Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. And later on, we read in the New Testament that this sort of miraculous thing, that Christians can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does that look like for us? What happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I think for us, to begin with simply, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a part of the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Christian Orthodox faith, we believe that God is one but also that he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So the Spirit has a distinct personality. And just as the Father and Jesus are God, so is the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we forget that. Because we teach a lot here, and, and we talk a lot about the Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, but not very much on the Holy Spirit. It's almost like he's sort of the, the junior member of the Trinity. He's like the, the caddy or something. He uh, tends to get overlooked a bit, but we need to remember the Holy Spirit is fully God. And I think for us, sometimes when it comes to the Holy Spirit, maybe when we start talking about it and discussing it, maybe as, as we start out right here with the sermon, is, is perhaps there's a little bit of a mystery to the Holy Spirit. He, he seems opaque. He seems hard to understand. So I hope that during the course of this teaching, this will it'll help you to understand better. But despite this we ought not to think of the spirit as abstract or mysterious because he's closer to us you could argue than the father or Jesus that the holy spirit is closer to us than the rest of the trinity and i want you to take a look at this in 1 corinthians 3:16 um, paul makes this argument 1 corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 it's to your right of of uh, luke and this is a staggering verse for us to, to look at. Don't you realize that all of you together, that is, people who have faith in Jesus Christ, who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, don't you, believe, don't you realize that all together you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? That is staggering. That's unbelievable. That the Holy Spirit when you place your faith in Jesus Christ and, and believed him as a son of God and confessed your sins, is that something miraculous happened in your life, the Bible says. That's what Paul's saying here, is the Holy Spirit came and, and indwelt you. Actually took up residence inside your life. In John chapter 16, Jesus actually actually says, the Spirit will never leave you. So if you are a believer in Christ, you have this incredible, invaluable precious gift called the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you in your life right now that is a staggering thought and it's a precious gift an invaluable gift given by God would you agree we never walk the Christian faith alone we always have the Holy Spirit with us and that is a valuable precious gift by God I think it's one of the most precious and, and invaluable gifts given by God to humanity. And when it comes to precious or invaluable gifts given, one of the best known uh, gifts ever given from one person to another is actually the Taj Mahal. In the 17th century, the emperor Shah Jahan actually had the Taj Mahal built for his wife. To show his love, his concern, his care for his wife. So guys, a few weeks ago was Valentine's Day. How's how your gift kind of... Size up to the uh, Taj Mahal. I was, I was telling the story to uh, the band uh, before, and Tom Nas said, well? Did, did his wife die though in the middle of that? I'm not sure." I'm like, "Tom, you ruined my story, man." Um, but I remember one time I was trying to impress my son Alex because I wanted to kind of. I heard this in a movie or something like this. I said, "I said, Alex, you know one of the most valuable, precious gifts I can give to you, and that I, I have uh, given to you, is my name." I thought I was impressive. And he kind of looked at me, he's like, what does that even mean? He said, like, you had a choice. What are you going to name me, like Johnson or Lundquist? Of course my name's going to be Case. Come on. Whatever. But anyways, it's a precious gift, though, that God gives us in the Holy Spirit. Invaluable. That he takes up residence in our life. And as we think about that thought for a second, what kind of resident is the Holy Spirit? Um, what kind of housemate is the Holy Spirit as he resides inside of you and me what what 's he like and It kind of reminded me in a way um, of the mid 90s perhaps if you, if you were alive back then if you 're uh, older, and you remember the o j Simpson trial. Um, this country was glued to their television sets watching that, that trial. And I, and I was watching the entire thing. And I think one of the most peculiar, interesting aspects of the O.J. Simpson trial, among other things, was Cato Kalin. Do you remember him? Yeah. Kato Kalin, if you remember the story. And, and it, it, it turned out that Kato Kalin was a resident of the Simpson mansion. And as it, as it came through his testimony, uh, Cato Kalin really didn't do much. Uh, just kind of laid around the mansion, didn't have a job, didn't have responsibilities, just kind of chilled and enjoyed the luxury of the Simpson mansion. And the media had a different word for him. It was called bum. He was a bum, a parasite, they called him. And and I think sometimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, what kind of resident is he? He's not just laying around, the Bible says. He's not just kind of chilling. He's not just kind of taking it easy. The Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives. Wants to work in our lives. In fact, the Bible calls this is when you and I actually take some steps uh, to invite the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's called being filled with the Spirit. There's nothing magical about that. There's nothing formulaic about it. There's a couple of steps that, that you and I need to take in doing so. For example, Luke chapter 11. Jesus says this, if you then, who are evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So the first step that you and I need to take to be filled with the Holy Spirit, yes, He's there, but to be filled with, with the Holy Spirit, this seems to be, the Bible is saying, a measure of the Holy Spirit that we can have each day. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit means for you and I to take the step of asking. Is to ask, Jesus says in Luke chapter 11. Um, Later on in the New Testament, Paul actually gives a prayer for the Ephesian Christians, and he says to God, God, please, I pray that these Christians might be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we need to pray for that. And perhaps during the rest of this Lenten season, that becomes one of your prayers for yourself and for your family is, Holy Spirit, fill my life. As we sang the song, and it was sort of a prayer, is, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. That's something that we ought to pray for on a regular basis. So it means for us to ask, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, is to ask for that. And then next is for you and I to surrender our lives. To surrender our lives to the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to kind of illustrate this with a couple of gloves. If the Holy Spirit is my left hand here, and if if my life is this, this glove right here, you know, the Holy Spirit is... Um, In my life. But this winter glove, while it keeps my hand warm, doesn't have much mobility. Can't really move around as much. I'd have a hard time picking up a penny or perhaps writing or any kind of task like that because there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of cotton kind of in the way inside of my glove. And during this Lenten season, what we wanted to do is, is really allow and surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit where our life. It's more like a golf glove, where that extra stuff, the busyness, the distractions, that kind of stuff is so removed that the Holy Spirit has great mobility, skin tight in our lives, and has access. Now, I was thinking about that in regard to the sermon, and host so often in my life, where I have all these things, I have all these things in my life that get in the way for the work of the Holy Spirit. And what we want to do during this Lenten season is say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me, but also I surrender my life. I surrender my time. I surrender um, this day. And that's part of this giving up and and inviting the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So we want to be kind of like a golf glove where the Holy Spirit is skin tight, has access to our life, can, can control us, can move in our lives. And, and while we're not perfect, but to simply say, Holy Spirit, I surrender my life to you today. So during this Lenten season, it's not simply just to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, but also to say to the Holy Spirit, I surrender my life. I'm not perfect, and I may not even know what those things are, but Holy Spirit, come into my life, and, and I want to surrender my heart my mind to your work today. So it's asking, and it's surrendering. So what happens in our lives when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? And I think this is where some of us just have sort of, sort of interesting thoughts. We, we, think, we might think it hap- happens with like tongues or certain, certain dreams or interpretations and, and some of the, we would say, some, perhaps some of the extreme stuff. Those things are, are valid, I believe. But oftentimes I see when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what I see quite often, the Bible teaches us repeatedly, is first of all, we're filled with the overflowing joy. I think that's one of the marks of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is that you have an overflowing joy. It's mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 in that passage about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. So that overflowing joy is a mark of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this joy that exists among Father, Son, and Spirit, the Bible says, they have great joy in their relationship and their love for one another. And this overflowing joy that comes from Father, Son, and Spirit, you and I, when we're filled with the Spirit, uh, are able to partake and actually participate in that overflowing joy in our lives. And whatever circumstance that that we're in, whatever challenges we're facing, is that we can have this overflowing joy. It's not idealistic. It's not utopian. The Bible um, believes that and, and preaches that and promises that in our lives when we're filled with the Holy Spirit to have an overflowing joy. Next, I would say another mark of being filled with the Holy Spirit is is a continual gratitude. A continual gratitude. I think part of being filled with the Spirit is where we're grateful for what God does and has done in our lives. And when that happens, and when we're filled with the Spirit and we're we're grateful for, for the stuff of our lives and for friends and family, this eliminates, I think... Um, the grumbling that, that we can be tempted with, or pouting, or self-pity, or bitterness, or scowling, or gossiping, or murmuring, or anxiety, discouragement, gloominess, pessimism, the list goes on. And when we're filled with the Spirit, I think we're, we're, we're filled with this, this continual gratitude for life, for what God is doing And I think it's not just overflowing joy, and it's not just continual gratitude, uh, but also it's a submissive love. I think one of the marks of the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, is where we put other people's needs in front of our own, where we submit ourselves to seek their best, to actually serve them, and to love on them. And we see that throughout the Scriptures, over and over, is when the Spirit is at work, that... um, Submissive love takes place. So it's overflowing joy, it's continual gratitude, and it's submissive love. What else does the Holy Spirit do? I'm just going to walk through kind of a a litany of of topics here, and and this is in no way exhaustive. But you may want to write these verses down and these phrases because there's so much. Again, this is kind of the basics, sort of a Holy Spirit one-on-one sermon. And this part here, I just kind of want to lay out... um, some key categories on this precious, invaluable gift that is given by God to us called the Holy Spirit. And when he dwells inside of us, he is not chilling. He's not laying around. He is at work. He is active. First of all, he counsels us. John fourteen twenty six. In fact, he's called that. He's called the counselor. And I need that in my life. I need the counsel of God in my life in order to do life. He's a counselor. He teaches us. Also, the Holy Spirit convicts us. And I think sometimes when it comes to asking forgiveness for our sins or, or, or a time of confession, we're trying to rack our mind. And I think the Holy Spirit oftentimes bring those, brings those things to our mind. He helps convict us of sin, says in John sixteen eight. Next, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, He reveals truth to us. And I love this verse. But it was to us that God revealed these things by the Spirit. For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. In other words, the Holy Spirit helps reveal all truth to us. Helps us to see truth from falsehood. Helps us to walk on the proper path. Next, is that the Holy Spirit prays for us. We can never say, no one's praying for me. Because here in Romans, Paul says the Holy Spirit is praying for us. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Right now, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you and praying for you. That is beautiful. Next, the Holy Spirit leads us. When we face uh, challenge in life and we're not quite sure what direction to go, it says here, this promise that the Holy Spirit will lead us. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And then John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all truth. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. Next, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Empowers us while he's inside of our life, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I was talking to a friend about this, and and he said, you know, when I first shared uh, about the good news of Jesus Christ, he said, when I one time just walked across the room, and I fumbled it, and, and, and I tried my best in kind of sharing uh, about what I believed, and he said this was my first time doing it, so I was in, incredibly nervous, but I was just talking to a coworker worker about... Um, this beautiful thing called the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ and what had, had happened in my life he said and as I was doing that he said I, even though I was fumbling the words a little bit I just sensed this power um, this strength inside of me and that's the Holy Spirit empowering you oftentimes to be a witness and the 200 names that are on that whiteboard in the back of the sanctuary for many of you the Holy Spirit has empowered you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those people Next, the Holy Spirit continually transforms us. And this is very helpful for us because the Spirit is, is making us more and more like Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is making us more and more. It's, it's almost this, this idea that we're sort of a clay and he's forming us, he's shaping us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. That's the end goal for our lives to be more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple, is to become more and more like our rabbi, Jesus Christ. Well, I think as we um, consider um, the Holy Spirit and we consider um, what is available to us, this is a precious, invaluable gift to us. One of the greatest gifts God has given to us. I think we need to talk more about the Holy Spirit within our, our churches and within our community groups um, because this is incredibly important for our lives. And I think oftentimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit and we kind of think it's abstract or mysterious, we, we overlook the power and potency of the Holy Spirit and actually what is available. All you have to do is look at this list. There's incredible power that the Holy Spirit has for us. And, he, and he's wanting to work within our life will we ask him will we surrender our lives and to be aware of this power that's available to us it kind of reminds me a little bit of um those five hour energy drinks and i've never had one before in my life the the small ones and then there's also the whole line of energy drink i've never had an energy energy drink in, in my entire life i drink coffee that's all i need. And, and yet I have friends that drink those small little bottles because they work the night shift. And they, they told me, they said, Craig, you know what? When you take those things, you have to be very careful because there is an incredible power. In fact, if you mix that with uh, medication or if you mix that with something else, you can be in bad shape. And in fact, I had a friend actually tell me the story of, of when he did that. And he says, my hands are shaking. He says it like it was a sort of out-of-body experience. There's, he didn't have control over his arms, his legs, this, oh, this crazy story. And I kind of looked this up, and there's actually over 20,000 cases of people each year in America that end up in the ER because of not handling these energy drinks the right way. And I think it's become so part of our culture that we overlook the power and potency of these energy drinks, and I think in a similar way when it comes to the Holy Spirit, is that we overlook what's there and what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And all we have to do is ask and surrender our lives. And maybe, well, as you're in the midst of stuff in your life right now, maybe the answer this time, maybe the answer this time isn't to go to another movie. Not that movies are bad. Um, Maybe the answer this time isn't to escape and go somewhere warm. Maybe the answer this time is living a life in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. Maybe the answer this time isn't more medication, is actually surrendering your life. Those things are fine, but maybe it's for you to ask and surrender your life, to be filled with the Spirit so, the Spirit can bring out certain things in your life. Maybe that's the, the step you need to take during this Lenten season. Now, I want to invite you to take that step during this Lenten season it is actually to ask and to surrender. And when that happens, I think the Christian life turns into this incredible adventure. And what I've experienced in a number of my friends and the community that Janiel and I have known for some time is that when we ask and we surrender, the Holy Spirit just sort of prompts us and nudges us. And I've never heard an audible voice of God, but it seems like when I ask and surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit, this kind of each day or each week, he kind of nudges me or prompts me or gently taps me on the shoulder to kind of move in a certain direction. A really good friend of mine, um, not too long ago, really had a hard time with a person in his life because of some past history, some past events. And it it seemed like whenever this person, I remember my friend saw this person, it was like human sandpaper just kind of rubbed on him. And um, these uh, memories would kind of come up, and pretty soon my friend told me, began to hate that person, actually wanted ill will for that person. As much as he tried not to think that, any time he saw that person or thought of that person, these memories would kind of come up really negative about this. And he shared that as he prayed and as he asked and surrendered his life to the work of the Holy Spirit, he said he began to kind of feel this gentle tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit to begin to pray for that person to actually begin to pray for God's favor, God's very best on the life of that person. At first, my friend said it was really hard to do that. Then then he kind of began some of the steps. And I think a lot of this is just, you know, it's like that old adage, 80% of it is just just showing up. So my friend just kind of started going through the motions a little bit and praying for that. And pretty soon he got some traction and began to pray each time for that person, for God's favor, God's best on that person and on that person's family. And then and pretty soon he kind of another d- gentle tap on the shoulder where the Holy Spirit was kind of moving him in the direction of actually saying he loved that person. He began to pray that. And he said, Craig, when that, that happened, the hardness of my heart melted. The hatred, the jealousy, the envy that I had towards that person, it just melted as I prayed for that person. So sometimes the Holy Spirit can nudge us and move us to um, love our enemies, to pray for them, to pray God's best. Other times uh, where the Holy Spirit moves us towards a big adventure, and for a person that went on to our Africa trip uh, last year, that was a case for them. And they were a new Christian, a new follower of Christ. But they began to feel this nudge by the Holy Spirit, to go on this trip to Africa. And for this person, the farthest they had been is Florida. So this was a quantum leap for them to go to Africa. But they began to feel the nudge, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go on this trip. Because what they said is that it would change their life and it would make a difference, a dent in the life of the Africans. So this person took that step and obeyed and followed um, that nudging of the Holy Spirit. And they said it was most incredible thing that has happened in life. And even right now, they are just riding um, uh, the wave of that experience of going to Africa and what an impact it has as the Holy Spirit is transforming that person more and more like Jesus Christ. So it could be things like loving your enemy. Um, It can be things like a missions trip to Africa. And perhaps that's for you. We're going to have more information coming up about our trip in the fall to Africa. But maybe, I think for a lot of us, it's everyday sort of stuff, isn't it? And this happened to me a few weeks ago when I was on vacation. I was standing in line at this really small mom-and-pop grocery store, and there was a person, a, a few people ahead of me, and he, was bu- he wanted to buy a bag of Doritos. And it, was, it appeared he was just getting off of work. He was tired. He just wanted to eat, eat, some, eat some Doritos. And we um, went up to the cashier. The cashier said, well, you... You, you can't—he gave his credit card to the cashier, and the cashier said, no, you have to have a $5 minimum. And he had no cash on him, so he took the Doritos and just kind of huffed and puffed threw them against the rack and left. And I was just standing in line on vacation, on vacation. Standing there and began to feel the gentle tap on the shoulder of the Holy Spirit, saying, Craig, you need to do something. And I was like, I'm on vacation. (laughs) I'm a pastor who is on vacation. And a minute went by and began to feel that gentle tap on the shoulder. And then it was like the Holy Spirit sort of saying, but you really like Doritos, don't you? So anyways, uh, after I paid for my items... I walked outside and located the gentleman in the parking lot and gave him some cash uh, to buy the bag, bag of Doritos. And when I, when I gave him the cash, he just looked at me like, uh, okay, what else do you want? <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, it's just, it, it took him off guard entirely. It, it's a double take. In fact, he began to stutter. And when he responded to me, he, he couldn't believe I was doing that. And I'll tell you, um, again, nothing magical, nothing, um, I guess, highly spiritual but I'll tell you the rest of that night and the rest of my vacation, that simple act, obeying a prompting of the Holy Spirit, I was filled with overflowing joy. And I was reminded again that God loves people and that he would actually pick me if you were to take the viewpoint from heaven, looking down, that God would choose me to bless that person who knows what was going on in his life. But to be used, used by God to make that kind of difference in a person's life So perhaps during this Lenten season, that's for you. It's taking a small step, whether it's a grocery store or, or maybe it's a neighbor or something. But for us to ask to be filled by the Holy Spirit and to surrender. Let me pray. Father God, we give thanks for this message. And Holy Spirit, thank you for who you are, that you are not a junior member of the Trinity. And for us to have this review of who you are and what you can do in our lives. And God, we struggle to say the, certain words. We struggle to even perhaps say what we'd like you to do. But you know our thoughts. And I pray that this, this list of what you can do would not be an overwhelming task or to-do list, to ask for all these things, but to trust with faith that you'll bring them about as we um, ask for you to fill us and then to surrender our life. So help us in this Lenten season to remove the busyness, to remove the extra stuff in our life that limits your mobility and limits your movement in our lives. And for us just to live simply so that you can move, so that you have freedom to bring, it, bring about the works of God, and in doing so, that God is glorified and we become more and more like Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.